Good morning, everybody. Let's get this. Ooh. Glad you're all here this morning. If you're joining us online, glad you're, the, you're there and you're looking great in your jammies. Um, yeah, I was wishing I were jammies too, but not everybody here is wishing that same thing. So we're kind of finishing up our four-week series, ended up being five because we threw one in the middle, um, To God Be the Glory. And this week we're talking about the glory of the church, the bride of Christ, you and I. And um, I want to just uh, kind of continue off where uh, J.D. left and just ask God's blessing upon this time. God, we just, um, you are amazing. You're God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You reign on high, you came and died for us on the cross. And then you choose to live within us. Lord God, I pray that as we open your word today, that we would be very aware of that living within us, that we are, as the church, the big C, we are your bride. And as a slightly smaller C, we are your church, this body of Christ. And then individually, we're called to walk with you. And Lord, help us see that. Help us be praying for our brothers and sisters out there in the world who are seeking to serve you daily and praying for ourselves that we too would seek to serve you daily as we come before your word. Open our eyes. Help us see ourselves as you see us. And open our hearts that we might be changed by who you are and who you want to be in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So where did this concept come from of the church being the bride of Christ? Well, like everything else, in the, everything else here, hopefully it comes straight from Scripture. So we're going to start with Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Interesting place to pick it up because it's a question about fasting. Start with verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees, they were fasting. And in those days, they were actually fasting twice a week. Maybe I need to do some more of that myself. And people came to, and said to him, him being Jesus, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And just so we're all clear, fasting is the religious practice of abstaining from all food and some kinds of drink, especially as a religious observance. Setting aside time and focus time to focus on praying to God. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. So making the, the definite relationship between himself as the bridegroom. And the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast in that day. Well, then who's the bride? Who's the bride that the bridegroom is referring to? Who's that relationship with? Because you see, during, during a time of fasting, we would, we would you know, as, as we're called to fast and pray, we'd set aside food. We'd, we'd stop eating. We'd stop drinking. Set aside meals so we could focus as those hunger pains would help us focus. Right? It's about a religious 
It's also about a relationship. And when Jesus was with his disciples, he was building that relationship. Why would he have them fast from being in relationship with him while he's there? In fact, often during times at that point, that fasting was at least a couple days a week, but they would often, during wedding celebrations, they would literally party or riot, as some of the commentators would say, for over a whole week. And Jesus is saying, have a party with me to his disciples. Be with me. Celebrate who I am. Be in communion with me. We jump backwards to Matthew 16, backwards in the Bible but forwards in his ministry. See, Peter's going to confess Jesus is the Christ. Matthew chapter 16, 13. And when Jesus came into the into this district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Referring to himself. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? Getting back to that relationship. Simon Peter, always the bold one, replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ at that point, meaning Messiah. Promised deliverer of the Jewish nation prophesied in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus then answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, Jesus is recognizing and he's preparing his disciples to go away. And he's starting the process of building his church with his disciples. And he's telling them that he is, the, that they will be the church and they are his people. And that Peter is the rock, on the rock, that cornerstone that he's going to build from. And he's also telling them we're going to be in a battle. And we're going to get more into this, but that the church is in a battle that his bride is going to be in a battle. And I think we can very much identify with that in today's times. But the good news, as we see at the end of that, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Before we get to the next scripture, I want to... Who, uh, who here or online has been to the Grand Canyon? Or something like that. I want you to think back to that first time when you were walking up to the Grand Canyon. I know I've, I've had the privilege of being there twice in my, my life. Once uh, as a newlywed, uh, my wife and I got to go there um, for our honeymoon. Got to watch the sunrise and sunset. But then I had another time that was actually probably more impactful to me. Nothing against my honeymoon. But actually... Got to go there a few years ago with my kids. 
And I had seen it already, so I kind of knew we were walking up on. But then um, standing down and taking a picture of them as they're coming down to that one of the overlooks. And just literally watching their mouths drop open. Because we've all seen the pictures. You can all kind of picture it. But until you've actually experienced it, until you've actually been there, pictures don't do it justice, do, do they? Pictures don't begin to compare to what the reality is. And that's what I want to begin this next section is, is, is talking about Christ. And that reverence and awe that we might try and ascribe and, and hugeness of, of the Grand Canyon is pale yet in comparison to our reverence for Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 21 through 32. And we're going to kind of break this through in sections. And this is the husband and wife chapter of Ephesians. But I want you to back up with me. And yes, look at it as a husband and wife, but look at what the Bible says about the relationship between Christ and his bride, Christ and the church. And I hope that blows your mind today. Starting verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence, reverence, respect, awe, literally a feeling of deep respect tinged with awe, veneration, Think as you're walking up to that Grand Canyon and you're seeing that lip and that huge open space and what has happened over millennia or days. I leave that in God's hands. But just that, that vastness, and yet God is so much bigger than that. That reverence for Christ. He's bigger, he's awesome. And out of that reverence, we're to submit to one another. Now it starts out, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. We've heard this before, we've preached on it many times. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Reverence, awe. Christ is the head of this church, the head of his body, the head of what he started with Peter back before he went to the cross and moving forward, Christ is the head of it all. He's not only the head of the church, his body, and he himself is its savior. Because he is the savior corporately of each one of us individually as we claim Christ as our savior. And we, as we group together, then make up a body of believers that is saved by our Savior that then forms a body, that forms a church. And Christ is the head of individually and then the body as we submit our plans, our thoughts to him. In fact, that's what it says in 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, key term there, in fact, I bolded it and underlined it, as we submit to Christ, so also should wives submit to everything to their husbands. That the leadership of his body, the leadership of this church, must submit to Christ in good times, in bad times, 
in every time we need to submit to him. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, how did he love the church? Gave himself up for her. That Christ is to give, that Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her. So the church needs to set aside our own wills and submit ourselves to him. And he might sanctify her. He sanctifies the church. Christ sanctifies our body. As he sanctifies us individually, he is sanctifying us. Cleansing her by the washing of the water with the word. Cleansing this body as we wash ourselves individually during our quiet times and then corporately during our prayer times and our message times and our equipping class times that we are cleansed, we are being sanctified. Not by our opinions. Our opinions don't mean anything. But by the washing of ourselves with his word. Why? Because he, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. See, God gave us the scripture. Why? Because he's doing a work. He's doing a work in our hearts individually and corporately. He is sanctifying us, literally making us holy day by day to show his great work without spot or wrinkle. There was a requirement that if you were to bring a lamb or any other offering, that it must be without spot or wrinkle or any broken bones, that you were bringing the best. And Jesus wants his church to be the best. Not that we can do it in and of ourselves, but as we submit our will and our lives to him, he is purifying us. He is making us without spot or wrinkle or any such thing so that she might be wholly separated, set apart, and without blemish. Think of your quiet times this week. Did you submit yourselves to him? Did you examine yourselves and ask God, where is there spot or blemish on me? As a church, when we pray, as we seek new leadership, are we asking God, is there spot or blemish in our motives? Is there spot or blemish in our process that we need to submit to you? And I pray that that is the case. See, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has aided, ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it. That's what quiet time is. That's what time to, on Sunday mornings is. We're nourishing it. We're cherishing it. We're, we're nourishing our bodies just as Christ does to the church because we are members of his body. 
He gave us the Holy Scriptures. He gives us his Holy Spirit to build us up, not for ourselves, but for him, for his glory, so that we might reflect him out into the community. This coming Saturday, we have an opportunity to reflect Christ through our pantry. This afternoon, you have an opportunity to reflect Christ as you leave this building and go out into the mission field. Do you often think about that? When you go to, let's say we go out to have a meal afterwards, are you thinking about the fact that you've just left church and you have an opportunity to radiate him out into the community? Or are you just worried about how fast you can get that next food and is your server serving you as fast as they can because they've got too many tables? Do you think of the opportunity to reflect and be patient with them? Is Is it about us or is it about Christ? Therefore man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that refers to Christ and the church. Notice that, that duality. Many, many times, um, we all love the Pixar movies. They always, you know, Toy Story and all those movies, they come in at two levels. There's the first level that the kids are always picking up, right? Oh, the funny jokes and stories. And then there's always that level aimed at the parents. Well, parents, I'm talking to you. This is that, that deeper level, that higher level, that this mystery of husband and wife reflects back to the mystery of Christ and his church that we're called to have awe and reverence and honor for Christ and a sacrificial love that spends time with Christ and then reflects love to those who don't yet know him. And as our bridegroom, are we, or as the bride to our bridegroom, are we allowing the Holy Spirit, are we allowing his word to wash our body individually and this body as a whole with the word and allowing it to fill us up to overflowing? It's interesting, when we get to uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 11, For I, Paul, feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from sincere and pure devotion to Christ. See, back at the beginning of time for man, we had an opportunity to be pure. We had an opportunity to resist the enemy and he would flee. But just like Eve and Adam, as they stood in the garden together, the enemy deceived them and said, look at this fruit, isn't beautiful, it is good to taste. And by his cunning, Eve was deceived. And don't make mistake, Adam was right with her. We have a responsibility to resist the enemy as well. In our daily lives, to walk away from those temptations, wherever they may be in our individual lives and our corporate lives. 
Because there is a battle going on. This current world, there is a battle between good and evil, between the enemy of God and God. And it's often in our own foolishness and our own thinking we're okay that he most works his ways because we think we've got it. We think we can do it in and of our own strength and in and of our own will. And the Bible repeats over and over again, if we don't submit our plans, our ways, our choices to him, unfortunately we're going to fall flat on our faces rather painfully. Matthew 25 points that out in the parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom, Christ. Five of them were foolish, five were wise, we're told. For when the foolish one took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise ones, they took flasks of oil with their lamps. Okay, How's, where's the difference here? And as the bridegroom was delayed, because God does things in his own times and not in our times, they all became drowsy and slept. Note, it isn't the wise ones who stayed awake. It isn't the foolish ones who slept. They all became drowsy and slept. It's okay. But at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps as in days of old. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy from yourselves. I don't think back in that day they had Market Street. That was open 24-7. And you could go and get whatever you needed. It was more like, you know, when we were going through COVID and everything shut down. They were going to have to wait till morning, most likely. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. And afterwards, the other virgins came, virgins came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. See, we are in a battle. A battle to be wise, not in our own eyes, for our wisdom is foolishness, but in the eyes of our Heavenly Father, to be spiritually wise, both individually and corporately. Are we submitting daily out of to Him, out of love and reverence? Or is it just, a, is it just religion and a checkbox? Oh, I got my quiet time in today. Oh, I prayed for that person after they cut me off, or maybe I didn't. Are we walking with him? 
Do we bring him into our times of meetings? Do we bring him in as we're praying to worship him? Do we bring him into our times as we're seeking to serve him? As we're putting together boxes to give out to people, are we bringing him in? What should we put in this box? What food should we get? How can we best bless? How can I bless my server today? Do you spend time with him daily? Are we submitting our plans to him? And when we do, are we comfortable with the answers? Even when we don't like them? When was the last time you prayed and got no? Or not yet? Because I guarantee you, those virgins, when they were going out, they were thinking, oh, we're going to go have a party tonight. I don't need to tuck that. That's a pain. I'm just going to go out. I'm going to go out with my lamp. It's good. We're go, good. You know, by, he'll be here by sunset. Maybe a little after. They weren't thinking it was going to be middle of the night. Some said, no, I'm going to bring these because we don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to submit my plans, my ways to him. And are we ready for battle when it comes? Because I can guarantee you it will. Why can I say that? Because it's in Scripture. I'm going to close with Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. See, each of us are called to be members of the same body. For by grace... For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one to another having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. Each of you, each of us, has a gift that builds up the body. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's running a computer. Maybe it's making coffee. Amen and thank you. In fact, yes, amen and thank you, because I needed some this morning. Maybe it's turning on lights. Maybe it's taking care of babies. Maybe it's taking care of our kids or any other thing, taking care of the facility. Each of us has a role, whether it be leading or cleaning the carpets, and none is more important to the other because we can all do them to Christ. However, comma, if we don't do all of them, then we're not actually building them up, if, if we all just try and lead but don't clean the carpets or we don't take out the trash, then we're not actually building up the body. We're, we're falling down. Imagine physically, if you don't have a liver, you get cirrhosis and your body's going to build up with poisons. If you don't have a kidney, you're going to build up with fluids don't have a foot, you're going to hobble. 
Each of us has a role to play in the body. Each of us are called to know and to play our role in the body. And that starts out with spending time with him, learning what your role is, and then walking and growing in that role. Maybe today your role is cleaning carpets or making coffee. And maybe that's preparing you as a servant so that you can serve the body and a few years down the road maybe you'll be volunteering to not just make the coffee but buy the coffee. Not just buy the coffee but work on the budget so we can have coffee. And not just the budget to make the coffee but the budget for the whole church. And grow. God has a calling for each and every one of us. A calling A to stand and fight the attacks of the enemy and a calling to serve one another out of love and reverence and respect. That's the bride that Christ has married and is looking forward to the marriage feast. And the question for you and I each day is, Number one, have we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior? Are we prepared and ready for that marriage feast? And then what are we doing with that acceptance? Are we walking in the fullness of love or are we just kind of an insurance card in our pocket? Oh, I'm going to heaven. It's not. He's called you to more than that. He's called you to live a life of fullness and service to one another as we seek to serve him. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it reveals to us about you and about ourselves. Lord, I pray that as a body we'd seek to serve you and reflect you to those who don't yet know you that they might be challenged to know you as their personal Lord and Savior, and then as they do, that they would walk forward in newness and love and be transformed, be changed, put off the old things and the new things, to serve others with a good and clean heart, to love others as you love them, literally as you laid your life down. Lord, help us to lay our life, our choices, our decisions at your feet each day. And Lord, as you do that, we look forward to walking and chasing after you individually and corporately, wherever you would choose to lead us, in Jesus' name. Amen.